Welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. Big church, we want to open up our Bibles to the book of 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings 17, we're going to be looking at uh, this scripture here, and then in a little bit, we will flip over in our Bibles to the New Testament book of Luke chapter 4. 1 Kings chapter 17, and then later in Luke chapter 4. We are in the midst of 40 days of prayer and fasting as a church. Remember, what are we fasting for? We're fasting and praying for revival, for God to move mightily in our lives, in our church's life. Three weeks from today, we have an evangelist from Weatherford, Texas, that is right outside of Fort Worth. His name is Ronnie Hill. And he was actually here last year, and it was so good of a revival, and folks enjoyed him so much. And he likes Lexington because he's a cowboy. He got to go see Keeneland. He, but he was telling me they have different types of horses down there. He lassoes cows, and here they race horses. So, but he still, he loves horses, and he's coming back in three weeks. He'll be preaching here in three weeks on the 23rd, and he'll be here Sunday morning, Sunday night, and then on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night. And we have dinner all three of those nights, and then we have a daytime service on, uh, on Tuesday for folks who don't get out at night. We'll have Our deacons are actually catering food for everybody from Texas Roadhouse at 11.45 for Tuesday at lunch, the lunchtime revival service. So it's going to be a fantastic uh, revival. We are praying for that as a church in anticipation for a mighty move for God. So that's what we're praying for, part of our prayer for revival for that. So in the midst of that, the sermon series I'm preaching on leading up to our revival is different events and seasons that we see in the scriptures of time for spiritual renewal. And today's message is going to be about Elijah. Elijah, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we saw what happened with Elijah, how after he called down fire from heaven, he actually went into despair and depression uh, because Jezebel was uh, threatened to kill him. So he ran away and God spoke to him in a whisper, and got a hold of him and said, Elijah, what are you doing? What are you up to? And he, and he just like that, he still speaks to us today. But here we're going to see here, so we're in our Bibles in 1 Kings chapter 17, we're going to see here how God provided for Elijah and a widow who helped Elijah during a very dry season. In fact, the Bible says it was a famine. And this story is so important that Jesus actually quotes this story. So we're going to read here in this Bible. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. And I want to remind you, we will come later on. Um, we'll pull out our bulletin. So hopefully you have your bulletin. If not, you grab one there in the back. They're on the internet as well, online. And you can uh, I'll reference that towards the end. Now Elijah the Tishbite. From the Gilead settlers said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, in whose presence I stand, there will be no dew or rain during these years except by my command. So what's going on right here? Elijah lived in what we call the divided kingdom. I think you were studying that in some of our Sunday school books. The divided kingdom, 
came after Solomon. It was a church split. We started out, the first king was Saul, then we go David, then we go Solomon. Solomon dies, and we have lots of problems. We have what we call the northern kingdom, which is called Israel, which is ten of the twelve tribes. Then we have the southern kingdom, which is called Judah, which is actually two of the tribes. It's Judah and Benjamin. And Jesus came from Judah, the house of Judah. And that's where we get our Jews from today. That's from the fourth son of Israel, who's also known as Jacob. His name is Judah. Well, the northern kingdom had a king. The northern tribes, Israel is their name. They took the name. They just kept, since they had the most tribes, ten, they just kept the name Israel. They had a king named Ahab. Ahab, the Bible says, was the most wicked man. When it was time to get married, Ahab, instead of picking out a godly Hebrew woman, he went to a far land in an area called Sidon, which is in current-day Lebanon, and he married a girl there named Jezebel. Jezebel was a wicked woman. Jezebel worshipped idols. And uh, the main idol that she worshipped was called Bel. And Bel had a girlfriend named Ashtorah. So Bel and Ashtorah were these idols that were being worshipped during the time of Ahab and Jezebel. And what happened, when you have the king and the queen leading a nation of Israel that's, that's supposed to be worshipping the Lord God, yet they're bringing all these poles and idols and objects into this temple and all around the city of Jerusalem, all around their cities there and throughout the uh, countryside of Israel, and they're bowing down and worship these idols. God was obviously not pleased with that, so he raises up this prophet named Elijah. And Elijah comes from obscurity. He busts on into the scene, and his main message is, look, because of this idolatrous worship, it's not going to rain for three and a half years, except at the Lord's command. It's about to get dry, really dry, a famine dry. And that's the message. So he's going to bust on the scene, comes out of nowhere, and informs the king and queen, no more rain because of your idol worship. You know, we have, we have uh, American idols today because obviously we don't have these type of idols here that we, we, none of us go around worshiping Baal and uh, Ashtar poles, but we certainly do have idols. Our American idols would be popularity, prestige, which includes wealth. Folks show this stuff off. As, as really, that's why social media is so popular, because it, it pr promotes that. Anytime you look to something or someone that is not the Lord, and you're looking to that to meet a need, that's an idol. You've got this need, so you hope to meet it by somebody but God. That is that breaks the second commandment in the Bible. That is idolatrous worship. And then when God sees idols, when He sees, sees adultery in the land, and we have adultery all around us here in Kentucky and Lexington, it just looks different. When God sees that, He sends a famine. And we might be living in a dry season today. Dry seasons when folks don't get saved. Prayers seem to go unanswered. All of a sudden, it seems like families are falling apart. People are struggling. Uh, the price of gas, I mean, nowadays, if I look for gas, if it's three twenty-five, that's a good deal. You know, you, we, it's a famine in the land if gas is, you think three twenty-five for gas is a steal. What a bargain. I mean, that you know, I really remember, I started driving in the 90s, and I remember going to my little local Amco gas station. It was 89 cents, and that was per gallon. And it was just uh, good times back then. Now 325. That just shows recession. You look at the times we live in. Crime, immorality, drug abuse. We live in a day of a dry season, a famine in the land. 
Just like the time right here. So God is judging Israel by sending this ultra-dry season that's about to occur. And he's raised up Elijah to do that. Verse 2. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. He said, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the weighty Cherith, where it enters the Jordan. You are to drink from the wadi. That's a brook. What happened is God knew that if you remain here, because probably Ahab and Jezebel did not believe you, when you came and said, hey, there's not going to be rain except the Lord's command, I'm sure they laughed. But after a week, in two weeks, they probably thought, you know what, that prophet might have been right, so they would have killed him. So God knew that. So he said, you're going to go, you're going to have to go hide and hiding, and you're going to go out in the country, and you're going to go on the other side of the Jordan, and there's a little brook over there, and King Ahab won't find you over there, and Jezebel. So you're going to stay over there in this little brook, and God's going to provide for Elijah there. You are to drink from the wadi. I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. So what happened is God brought these birds. This is how he made a sandwich. God brought birds, and he had these ravens that I guess they would just... Every morning, he'd wake up and a bird would just come fall and die right there in front of him. How convenient. There's my food for the day. So all Elijah got to eat while he's in hiding is he's drinking water from this little brook and he's got these birds, ravens, falling out of the sky. Meat. He kept them alive. It's bare minimum. But he's got something at this point. So he proceeded to do what the Lord commanded. Elijah left and lived at the Wadi Cherith, where it enters the Jordan. The ravens kept bringing him bread and meat in the morning. Oh, by the way, they also delivered bread. So bread. The, this is the most unusual miracle. Here come these birds bringing bread in their beak to deliver it, and then I guess they got there and they died. So right there you've got a dead bird, and you've got bread right there, and you've got a, a little brook of water just to keep Elijah alive because they are in a massive famine. There's no rain. It says he would drink from the weighty, and this is how they would eat. But after a while, the weighty here, it dried up because there had been no rain in the land. The brook, the little creek that was supplying Elijah water, when he first arrived, it was flowing with water, but month after month, it became less and less, and less, and it dried up. And all of a sudden, even then, the brook was dry. You know, the, Jesus tells us that even good people, they experience part of the famine. And then when the blessings come, even the bad people experience the blessings. In fact, Jesus tells us in Matthew four twenty five, for He causes, that's God, His sun to rise on the evil and the good. Even on perfect weather days, evil people have wonderful weather and perfect sunshine. It's 68 degrees even for the evil folks every now and then. And then when you need it to rain, it says God sends the rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. So so just because someone is an unrighteous person and does not love the Lord and is not a believer, they will still, the fact that they're here on earth, they will still receive the blessings from the Lord. Now, the other side of that is we as Christians, we also have to live through seasons of dryness. And some of you this morning might be here, and you could be very likely in a dry season in your life, where you look at your life and you think, Pastor, we're struggling. 
It is difficult times, tough days, problems at home, problems with finances, you know, inflate out of control inflation, which is absolutely everything costs so much more now. It's just more, more, more. And you feel like God is distant and far away from you. He's not close. Your prayers aren't being answered. What you had planned and hoped for, it just doesn't seem to be coming to fruition. And then all of a sudden in verse 7 for Elijah, this happens to us. What we had been relying upon, our finances, that income, it dries up. And it's gone. What you had been living off of, it's no longer there. You know, this was uh, very similar to what David said in the most famous of all Psalms. Psalm 23, verse 4. I want to read it for you. It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. David went through this valley. The shadow of death is a famine. The shadow of death is a dry season. The shadow of death is when you just don't know. You don't know how ends are going to meet. You don't know what God's plan is. And even though when you're in this valley, David cried out, Psalm 23, 4, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Lord provides for us, even in valleys. And that's what we're about to see here with Elijah. And I think for us spiritually, as a church family, as we're going through a 40 days of prayer and fasting and a focus on Lord, you have always examine yourself. Say, Lord, there's some days I feel very close to you, and other days you are distant. And we're going to see what to do when you feel you are in that famine, that dry day, that dry season in your life. Look back here in 1 Kings chapter 17. Look what happens now. This little brook, this wadi, it was running out of water. And this is what's amazing about the Lord. He provides for us even when we run out. It says in verse 8, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Get up, go to Zarephath, that belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Look, I have commanded a woman who is a widow to provide for you there. What's amazing about that passage, that first word, get up. Do you know a lot of times we have to tell, the Lord has to tell us, all right, it's time to move. The, the resource that you've been relying upon, it's gone. Things change. There's times in our life that the Lord has to tell us, okay, it's time to make a move. It's time to change jobs. It's time to break up with that person. It's time to move to a new community. It's time to have that talk that you've been putting off for so long. God told Elijah, okay, you've been sleeping, you've been laying around too long. Get up, Elijah, come on. It's time to do something. Elijah moves when the word of the Lord comes and speaks to him. He moves at God's command. That's when we're to, we, we, should, we should have the same obedience that Elijah has. Elijah's not doing anything at his own whim. He's following the Lord. And he's realizing, okay, the, the water's gone. Might still have my bread. I've got my dead birds here, but there's nothing to drink. So the Lord does a true miracle right here. This isn't just some random place he picks out. He wants to stick it to Jezebel. Jezebel was from this area called Sidon. Sidon is along the Mediterranean coast 
in current day Lebanon. It's north of where Elijah's at. It's north of Israel. God told Elijah, says, you're going to pack up because we've run out of water here. We're in a, the famine's getting worse. And you're going to go to where Jezebel, the queen, the evil queen, is actually from. And in this wicked town that worships Baal, that people don't worship the Lord there, you are going to be provided for. So the Lord is leading Elijah to this place that would seem like the most unlikely place for God to do a miracle. And that's what's amazing. Even you might live here in Lexington and Kentucky, and you feel this place is immoral, and there's just wickedness all around, out of control, a crime, drugs, alcohol. It's, just, it's rampant, immorality. God performs miracles even amidst the most wicked and sinful cities. And He's doing it right here in this city. Zarephath is where Jezebel is from. It's a little town just south of Sidon. It's that entire Sidon region. So he has selected this widow who's about to die and a miracle is going to occur. So read along in your Bibles. Look what it says here. So Elijah got up and he went to Zarephath. When he arrived at the city gate, there was a widow gathering wood. Elijah called to her and said, Please bring me a little cup and bring me a little water in a cup and let me drink. As she went to get it, he called to her and said, Oh, and please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. So what's happening here is Elijah sees this woman responded. She's going to go get some bread. She's going to get some water. <coughs> and then she recognized, Hey, since you're going to go ahead and get some water, why don't you go grab me some bread too, because I'm really hungry. It's kind of like he sees someone is responding well, so I'll just cash in and try to get some more. Keep going here. Uh, it, you know, I, I had the, the children came downtown. We were down at some race event last night, and I had to take the children and take them into this little, uh, basically, gas station and buy them junk food. So we're standing there. They each get one item. Do you know every register you walk up to? Okay, I'm trying to think. Okay, this is going to cost like eight, eight or nine dollars. When you walk up to the register, there's 15 other items all around the re- register that are always for sale. And the goal is you walk up there and the people are like, oh, well, I need this and this and this. So the three items you bought end up becoming seven items. That happened to me yesterday. My $8 became $15 like that because all of a sudden we, we had to have these other things, I guess, to make it in life. So I go to get three things and I literally came back with seven. That's what happened right here. This woman walked away and she was going to get him a cup of water, and I said, oh, one more, just give me some food as you're at it. It's the Adam. That's a, that was a good salesman trick that Elijah pulled right there on her. You've got someone on the hook, might as well just cash in. So he's going to get him some food as well as the water. But look what she says here. But she said, as the Lord your God lives. Remember, she's not an Israelite. She recognized this Hebrew man is approaching me at the city gate. Like, she's a non-Israelite. She does not believe in Yahweh God. And here, right here, is this prophet from the Lord speaking to me. And she says, as surely as the Lord your God lives, I don't have anything baked, only a handful of flour in the jar 
and a bit of oil in the jug. So she's about to run out. Like she has basically nothing. And it goes on to say, Just now I'm gathering a couple of sticks in order to go prepare it for myself and my son so we can eat it and die. That's how desperate they are. They had come to the point where they literally had this much left of flour and oil. They were ready to die. They're going to go gather their sticks, (coughs) build one final fire, and pass away. They knew they were starving to death in this famine. And just at the right time, God sent this prophet, Elijah, to catch her as she was gathering her sticks for her suicide mission. Do you see the Lord's providence involved in this? Then Elijah said, don't be afraid. Go and do as you've said. But first, make me a small loaf from it and bring it to me. He's still, he won't not mill. Elijah said, we just, yeah, well, you do what you say. Go get those sticks, but remember, bake that bread like we said. So he's still wanting his food because Elijah's suffering from the famine as well. And his brook dried up. He had to move. Afterward, you may make some for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. Notice Elijah, he's a bold man. He's saying, ma'am, you need to go ahead and feed me first. I want to eat first. But then you and your son, y'all are going to get some leftover food. But this leftover food, it's, not going to, it's never going to end. The Lord said, for this is what the Lord said, the flour jar will not become empty and the oil jug will not run dry until the Lord sends rain on the surface of the land. God is performing a miracle. Say, ma'am, because you met this prophet's needs here in this wicked town, your little flour jar, your oil jar, you will never run out of food. God will continue. The more you pour, the more it fills up. It's a continuous miracle that the Lord is doing. So Elijah stays with this widow and her son, and they never run out of food. And she went to go prepare for her funeral and her service, but instead of dying, she receives a blessing from the Lord. God's provision during the famine. It never runs dry. Verse 15. So she proceeded to do according to the word of Elijah. Then the woman, Elijah, in her household, ate for many days. The little jar just kept refilling. Automatic refills. The flour jar did not become empty. And the oil jug did not run dry according to the word of of the Lord he had spoken through Elijah. Folks, don't miss this. God used the most unlikely person in the most unlikely wicked place to provide for the prophet Elijah. And this is a dry famine season. This lady is a a victim of the famine and now she receives a blessing. That is what's going on here. The amazing thing about this story, Jesus talked about it. Folks, if Jesus talked about this story, we need to know it. So we need to keep our finger here in 1 Kings chapter 17. Now flip over in your New Testament book of Luke. 
This is why you need to know this story. This occurred 800 years before Jesus. And Jesus knew his Bible. He knew this story, what God was doing here. Luke chapter 4, verse 24. Jesus was from a little town called Nazareth. Or he grew up, he was from Bethlehem. He grew up in Nazareth. That's where he was raised, in Nazareth. Went to Nazareth synagogue. He went to Nazareth school. He learned his, uh, he had his brothers there. His dad taught him how to be a carpenter. He had his little trade shop. He made some chairs and rocking chairs and whatever else you wanted. But then when he was 30 years old, he was just a regular guy, an obedient guy, loved his mama Mary, single man, 30 years old. When he was 30, God called him and said, Son, you know it's time. And he went down to the Jordan River and he was baptized by John the Baptist. And that launched his ministry. And what does he do? Right after he begins his ministry, he comes back to his hometown synagogue. But remember, when he left, he left Nazareth, just a regular old guy. He came back a man with a three-year ministry, preaching and teaching the Word of the Lord. God's Son had launched his ministry, and he's coming back to his hometown church. And look at the reception he receives. Do you know, I once heard someone tell me, they say you know, all it takes to become an expert is you just have to grab a briefcase and you travel 50 miles. And when you're from out of town, people think you're a pro and you're an expert because nobody knows you. They think, wow, this guy's from Lexington, or they're from Louisville, nobody's expert Louisville. They're from Bowling Green. Look, they've come here. They must know everything, all the smart folks. And that's why our evangelist in three weeks, he's coming from Texas. That's where the great, great state of Texas, they're all, he's going to come here. He's going to share with us the word of the Lord. Well, that's what Jesus, he's, he's, he's going back to his hometown. And he gets a very cold reception. They don't care. They look at him and say, aren't you Joseph's son? Isn't your mama Mary? We know your brothers and sisters. Didn't you grow up on that pew right there? Who do you think you are? Jesus, you're a carpenter. Look what happens here. Verse 24, Luke 4, 24. Jesus told them, truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. Folks, if God, you talked about God calling someone to be a preacher, God calling someone instant to the ministry. When God, God calls you, the, one of the most hardest places for you to serve is going to be at your hometown church. For me, that would be Shades Mountain Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama. I would go back there, those folks would look at me and go, I, I, remember, June, I remember Daniel. I remember his mom and dad. He used to be in the choir. He used to be on the stage crew. He did this. I mean, it's just a hometown. They know my sister. They know Sherry's family. I mean, it's just, it's just there's, no, there's no acceptance there. That's what it's like with hometown ministry. Because folks still think of you like you're not. <laughs> For whatever reason, it's like, oh, you never grew up. You're a little boy, a young lad. And they'll rem hold everything against you, everything you've done in life, forever and ever. Have you ever gone to a funeral? And you notice people start telling stories about people from when they were four and five? I mean, that's, that's hometown life. You go back so far before anybody even knows. 
That's what Jesus is dealing with. He's saying you can't get accepted. But look at the greatness of God here in verse 25. But I tell you, there were certainly many widows in Israel in Elijah's days when the sky was shut for three years and six months while a great famine came all over the land. Jesus is talking about the story from 1 Kings chapter 17. He said there was lots of widows where Elijah was living in Israel. I mean, but, but that's not where God sent him to. He didn't send him to the widow in Jerusalem. He didn't send him to the widow in Samaria. No, he chose someone at the capital of Baal, of the most wicked city on earth, of where Jezebel is from. Verse 26, Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them except a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. God sent the prophet not to the hometown area, but to all the way to a foreign land. And God's provided through that widow to meet Elijah's needs because she was receptive. Do you know what Jesus is telling the story about? Jesus grew up in Nazareth. That was his hometown there in that region of Galilee. And he was preaching the gospel there, and they rejected him. This is a prophecy Jesus is making. He's saying, you're rejecting the Son of God's message here in Galilee. But you know what? That means the gospel, it's not going to stay here in Galilee and Israel. It's going to go to the Gentile nations. It's going to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. We are recipients of the gospel because these people in Nazareth and Galilee, folks, they rejected it. They, they rejected the message of the Jesus. So Jesus, God's like, well, if that's how it's going to be, fine. I'll just take the good news to everyone. And that's what happens here with Elijah. The, they wouldn't accept him in this little community and where he was from, so he had to go to a faraway land. What this means for us today, many times during dry seasons, when you're in a season of famine and drought, it's going to be very unlikely people in unlikely places that will speak truth in your life. And you might be in that season right now where you're considering different churches, you're considering a change in your life, you're looking and saying, God, I might uh, I need to address some problems, I need to make a move. You're in this unique dry season. And God is speaking to you through the most random person. This woman is a widow. All she had was a son. And she had this much flour and this much oil. And she was gathering sticks to go die. Like she's about, she's about to pass away. And that is who God chose for his prophet. That is whom God chose to provide. You know, Elijah's important. Not, Elijah never died. He was caught up. He's one of the few people on earth. Even Jesus experienced death. And he was only dead three days. Only two folks in the Bible didn't die. Enoch and Elijah. And that's, you know, So Elijah is a special prophet. So what happens here is God has cho chose this unlikely person to provide for Elijah during the famine. And I think the principle for us, when we are amidst a famine, when we are amidst difficult times, we need to be aware our faithfulness to the Lord it remains the same. So here it is. Pull out your bulletin right here. We're going to wrap this up with these. What to do during a dry season. You might be in a dry season this, month, this moment right now. 
You're in a famine, you're in a drought, what do you do? Number one, remind yourself, God has not forgotten about you. He hasn't. Elijah sat there and watched that little brook run dry. His resources ran out. God knew where Elijah was. He was over there at that brook, and he knew he needed to travel him 200 miles somewhere else. He provided for his, for his prophet. Number two, don't take matters into your own hands. One of the great things about Elijah, during the famine, he only moved at the word of the Lord. That's why, folks, last Sunday I preached about fasting. It is so important before you make a major decision that you have prayed and fasted about that decision because then you'll have the confidence knowing, hey, I've prayed about this, I've fasted about this, I'm going to take action now. But if you haven't done that, if you're just willy-nilly doing whatever, you will find yourselves making decisions that are not in God's will, that are not God's plans for you. So we don't take matters on our hand. When Elijah moved is when God said, move. We move at the Lord's command, not at our command, or not what we want. We follow the Lord. Number three, even the prophet suffers during the famine. Folks, all of us are going to go through seasons of dryness and drought. The great thing about season, a season does come to an end. There's not an eternal drought. God will eventually send the rain. One day, it will, it will warm up or cool down, whatever, whatever type of drought we're in, where it's freezing or blazing hot. And everyone suffers. Inflation costs everybody more. No matter what you're buying, it's just going to cost more. But we, during times of dryness and dry seasons, we remain steadfast to the Lord. We cannot allow a dry season in your life to waver with your commitment to God. You don't drop out of church because something happened. You don't quit praying because you don't feel God's answering. You're hearing that prayer. You don't give up on your marriage or your children. And just throw in the towel and say, I'm so frustrated, God. I don't know why this is going on. Nobody's listening. Elijah stayed steadfast. And there comes a time during that dryness, that brook, it, it runs dry. You'll run out of money. you run out of resources. And then the Lord of the word of the Lord came to Elijah and said, it's time to move. Let's keep moving. Somebody else is going to provide for you. Fourthly and finally, God uses droughts to move you. And I just don't mean physically moving. I mean for some of us, spiritually moving. We respond to God during seasons of dryness. Sitting around waiting for wonderful blessings and rainy times of all, all the time. It's not always going to be that way. You know, our, our economy, our country, it's in a drought of the world. This is, this is a dry time right now. This is like what it was. Three and a half years, it was tough. It wasn't short. It was a long drought. And the Lord caused it. And everyone felt the pain. And our goal is we remain committed and faithful to God during this time. I want to tell you, maybe it's during a season of drought. You can use this, if you're in a dry time, to deepen your relationship in your walk and your closeness to the Lord. A time of drought is the time for 40 days of prayer and fasting. It's saying, Lord, I need you more now than ever. I need your direction about the issues I'm dealing with. 
more than anything else. Here's how I want to close this service right here. I want to close this by praying, because we are in the midst of our 40 days of prayer. And I'm going to pray for today. We're on day 15 in our prayer, guys. I want you to bow your head, and I'm going to close this by praying for our scripture. Today's scripture verse is out of Hebrews 4.12. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Lord, we come to you and we pray this Bible verse is our 40 days of prayer. We pray for the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Lord, we know this morning that Your Word is active, it's alive, it's powerful, and it speaks to us. And Jesus, I pray this morning, if any of us here are wrestling and dealing with um, just times of famine and dryness, a lack of direction, Lord, I pray we will turn to your word even more. Elijah did not move except by your command. Lord, we pray we don't move. We don't act except at your command. But Lord, when you command it, we better move. Lord, help us become totally dependent upon you during these seasons of drought and famine. Lord, I thank you for this lesson and this passage about how we are to be steadfast, committed to you during the good and the bad. Lord, I know there's folks here that need to respond. There's folks here at this church that need to join this church. There's folks here in this church that are in the midst of spiritual revival. And Lord, they need to take action of what you're doing. It's exciting to be in your house. Lord, this invitation is our time. We boldly say yes to you. We give our lives to you. We come and make this our church home. Lord, this is our time to respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to close this service here. We do every single service here at Broadway with what we call an invitation. This is our time that we, I stand up front along with our youth pastor, Zach Bauer. He stands next to me. If you want to get saved this morning, come for prayer you come join this church we stand down front and you come talk to us so we're going to stand together and zach's going to stand right here and i'll stand here and we respond to god Don't